Today's reading is Isaiah 61, reading from verse 1. The year of the Lord's favour. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness, and praise spring up before all nations. So, today uh, we conclude our series on the church as a place and a people. So far, uh, we've thought about church uh, and, and people, people designed for worship, encouraged to be disciples, passionate about prayer, filled with the Spirit, part of God's family, people who share the good news, and people who serve others. And today, um, we come to the last verse of the, the poem, and it says this, I dream of a liberated church, liberated from tradition, Liberated from self-centeredness, liberated from duty, liberated from pressure of time, liberated to serve the world, liberated to serve one another, and liberated to serve God. Funnily enough, the theme for today is liberation. Really kind of had to be. But what does that mean? Well, if you go to the dictionary, it says it's to be set free from imprisonment slavery or oppression, or to release someone from a situation which limits freedom of thought or behavior. Isaiah 61, particularly the first couple of verses, is almost like the Old Testament version of John 3.16, because they tell us what the mission of Jesus was going to be. Isaiah speaks prophetically to the people of his day, but he also speaks as the voice of Jesus for coming generations. 
The mission of Jesus is to proclaim good news to the poor, and that is poor in every sense. Jesus brings freedom and beauty, joy, praise. He rebuilds the broken and takes away disgrace, exchanging it for an everlasting inheritance that includes blessing and everlasting joy. That's a short summary of the chapter. The slight problem we have, though, when we're thinking about freedom and liberation is that God says we are most free when actually we are his slaves. And nowadays, that kind of doesn't really go together. When Paul was writing to the, the Christians uh, in Thessalonica, he said that they were, uh, they were praised in his letters. Uh, and they were praised because they were living uh, as people who pleased God. Uh, and he said to them, it was God's purpose, God's will, that they would be sanctified. That means uh, to be set apart uh, for a purpose. And that purpose was that they would become more and more like Jesus as time went on. That meant changed behavior. It meant following Jesus' instructions and example rather than being like everyone else. And, and their context was pretty much like ours today. Sexual conduct was regarded as nothing really to, to bother about. Um, therefore, it's perfectly acceptable to have uh, sex with, with prostitutes or slaves or in some cases, even children. Some idol worship involved ritual sex in the temple. So Paul wrote to them to remind them that their behavior must not be the same as the standards of society in their day. But they should conform to the standards set out by God. They were to live such good lives and consistent lives that people would respect them for it. However, they understood, as we do, that there is a spiritual battle going on in the world. Most of us are all too aware that we are not really like Jesus. We still struggle with lots of things that we know we, we shouldn't do. And so today, in thinking about freedom, I want to suggest that we find true freedom in Jesus so that we can live to please God. So in the midst of the battle, it's still possible to please God. There's an amazing story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where the Arameans are fighting the Israelites. And the prophet Elisha kept warning the king of Israel to avoid places where the Arameans were going to be. And they began to get a bit annoyed about that. And they also began to think that there was a spy in their camp who was passing on this information. And then they discovered, actually, God was helping Elisha. So in, in 2 Kings 6, it says this in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what will we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he can see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills 
full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What happened next was when they came to get Elisha, he prayed and the Arameans were struck blind and they were taken captive and they were taken uh, to the king and when their sight was restored, they realized <laughs> where they were and they began to panic and they, they uh, were shown mercy. They were fed and sent home and that stopped the war. But victory came by seeing God and allowing him to fight the battle. You see, in spiritual warfare, it's never a human battle limited to us against them. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So it's not an issue of us against them. It's much larger than that. It's those with us against those with them. And we have Jesus, who is already victorious. Rather than focusing on the enemy, as soldiers are forced to do in earthly warfare, we need to focus on our general, to focus on Jesus amongst the multitude of angels that he brings to fight the battle. And so, as we think about liberty and freedom, I want us to, uh, to, to keep our focus in the right place. And I want to just make two simple points today uh, to help us to, to remember. But they are both the opposite of what you would expect from earthly warfare. The thing to remember is this. Freedom starts with the name of Jesus on our lips. And it is completed with the nature of Jesus in our hearts. So freedom starts with the name of Jesus on our lips and it's completed with the nature of Jesus in our hearts. We need to understand that God's purpose for us, even in the midst of spiritual battle, is to make us more like Jesus. Maybe that's not what you wanted to hear. Maybe the, the thought of freedom or liberation made you think, oh, I would really love to be free from this thing that, that's, that's annoying me, or this thing that keeps me back, or, or, or this habit that I've got. I want to be free from that. I want to be delivered from that. I want to be healed from that. I want to be fixed. I don't really want to hear about holiness or sanctification or becoming like Jesus. I just want somebody to fix me. You know, God doesn't deliver us for the purpose of our just being delivered. Think about the example of the Israelites in Egypt. Was God delivering them from Pharaoh simply to get them out of Egypt? Was life anywhere other than the bondage of, of Egypt okay with God? Was he just trying to set them free from an evil slave master? Well, no, clearly he was not. He had a promised land for them to get to. God doesn't deliver us simply so that we're delivered. There's always a purpose behind it. He delivers us for the purpose of making us more and more like Jesus. If we focus on getting free without becoming more like Jesus, we'll not really experience freedom that lasts. The author and uh, pastor Francis Frangipani says this, the father is more concerned with the coming forth of his son rather than in defeating Satan. Who is the devil that he can defy the living God? 
Jesus defeated Satan and Gethsemane and the cross, not by directly confronting the devil, but by fulfilling the destiny to which he had been called at Calvary. The greatest battle that was ever won was accomplished by the apparent death of the victor without even a word of rebuke to his adversary. In a war, a soldier on the front line keeps his eyes on the enemy. In a spiritual battle, we keep our eyes on our commander. Our focus is to be on Jesus and becoming more like him. The second contrast to earthly warfare is equally opposite. The mindset for truly lasting spiritual freedom and victory over the enemy is peace. It's not confrontation. That's a lesson that I need to learn. I, I, I tend to confront things and confront people. That's not the way to, to do it. It's not about confrontation. It's not about aggression. It's not calling out this spirit or that spirit. To truly experience spiritual freedom and become more like Jesus, we must be filled with peace. Romans 16, verses 17 to 20 says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you've learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone's heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Then the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Be wise in what is good. Don't overcomplicate it, I think, is the point. Paul says if you can focus on the Christ-like and not get all wrapped up in the evil, then the God of peace will give you victory. Many of us today are not living in true and enduring freedom because our lives are filled with fear and worry and doubt. And those things are not from God. His word even speaks against them. Those are the weapons of Satan and his armies. Jesus said that he came to give us life in all its fullness, as opposed to the thief who seeks to destroy. And so this morning, just for a moment, I want to ask you this number of questions. In what places of your life are you fearful? What are you worried about? Where do you doubt God? In what arenas of your daily life are you afraid? What are those things that constantly cause you to worry? Where are those places where you doubt that God can fix things? Because those are your battlegrounds. Those are the places where you must begin the fight for freedom. Because those are the places where the weapons of our enemy, rather than the peace of God, is ruling. 
Those are the places where we're not truly free. And those will be the places that God desires to move in and work in our lives so that we become more and more like Jesus. Psalm 23 starts off with a really lovely picture of sheep at rest. Surely that's a picture of people who have absolutely everything sorted. I mean, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be really good? You know, he, 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 by still waters, he makes us lie down. Because sheep don't drink where, where the river's running. Because the noise frightens them. Still waters, lovely pastures, everything great. The shepherd's with them. So they don't have any worries and problems. But then it goes on to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. And says the shepherd prepares a meal in the presence of your enemies. Not quite so comfortable. It's not that straightforward. Everything isn't sorted. The problems, the trials, the temptations, the habits, they still exist. But this is peace in the middle of the battle. And it's not because the battle is over. It's not because the attacks on our lives have been defeated, but because the focus is in the right place. The focus is on the shepherd who prepares the meal for us. And so in our battles, in our life, our focus has to be on Jesus. I read this quote recently. It says this, It's not you that the devil is afraid of. It's Christ in you. It's not you that the devil is afraid of. It's Christ in you. You see, we have options because of Christ in us. When when James says, you know, actually resist the devil, you know, he, he prowls around like a, a roaring lion, but if you stand up to him, if you resist him, he has to flee. Why? Not because of me. Because of Christ in me. It's not me he's frightened of. It's Jesus. So if you want Satan to be afraid, if you want him to flee and to leave you alone, then you have to fill your life up with the thing that he's frightened of. And that is Jesus. Pray constantly, regularly to be filled by the Spirit of God because that's what Satan is afraid of. And then you can have the peace of knowing that God is fighting for you. And those who are with you are more than those who stand against you. Freedom starts with the name of Jesus on our lips and it's completed with the nature of Jesus in our hearts. It is a spiritual battle and in that battle we have to keep our eyes on our commander. A split focus will cost us our freedom. Our focus is to be on Jesus and becoming more and more like him. And the mindset for truly engaging with that and finding that freedom is peace. The call to us today is to be faithful. God has called us to this place, to, to the people in our community at this time. 
so that we can be beacons of his love and mercy to the wider world. When we trust his promises and seek his plans and purposes, he will be faithful. When we come to him in prayer, he will hear and answer our prayers. And that is incredibly liberating. I have a, we have a friend um, and, you know, when anybody used to talk about money, because church people talk about money sometimes, oh, we can't do that because we can't afford it and that kind of stuff. And this friend says, do you know what? My Father in heaven has loads of cattle and plenty of money. It's incredibly liberating to understand that even although we don't see the way forward, that even although what God is calling us to is off our map, We know that he walks with us. He leads us and guides us. And if we need money, the money will come. We used to, we used to sing a hymn. When I was a boy, back in the Brethren, we used to sing a hymn. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. If the one who created the universe and everything in it is not big enough for us, there's something wrong. We've, we've missed our focus. We've lost it. If we can't trust him or won't trust him to lead us into his plans and purposes for us, plans that he has told us are for our good, then there's something wrong. We are called to trust him. And he is trustworthy. And that I find liberating. We don't need, in fact, we should not try to meet the expectations of the world. We don't need to be bound and held back by the difficulties that we face. We don't need to think small. In fact, the opposite should be true. With God, we should be thinking bigger because he is bigger than we can even imagine. Jesus makes us free. And we are told that when he makes us free, we are free indeed. Amen.